0: If you have your Bibles and you would, find Mark chapter 7 with us this morning as we have been looking through this wonderful chapter and uh, looking at a faith that's built on a solid foundation, a faith that is built on things that last, uh, real faith, issues of the heart. And um, Mark chapter 7 and verses 24 through 30 are um, some of the most wonderful verses, but yet can be some of the most confusing verses. And on one hand, we see this woman who comes to the Lord who comes from the wrong side of the wrong side of the worst side of the tracks. She comes from the hometown of Jezebel. She comes from a town that that was a part of the pagan religion that God told the children of Israel They cannot be allowed to exist. Not only that, as time had went on, they had become lovers of the Roman gods. This is a woman who came from the worst house, on the worst street, on the worst side of town, and yet she comes to Jesus and finds love and forgiveness And hope. And so we can read that and say, wow, this is a great reminder to all of us that where we come from and the mistakes of our past, Jesus is able to work through us. But yet then we see this woman who will not take no for an answer. Jesus doesn't answer her. The disciples tell her to leave, but she keeps saying, my daughter is demon-possessed. I need you to work, Lord. And so he doesn't answer. He doesn't answer. He even does answer, but not in a very uh, good way in our minds. But yet she continues to ask. And so we can see here the influence that you have as parents over the faith of your children, the, 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 the influence that you have in their life, as godly parents and godly grandparents and godly influences on society. But then some people say, well, now if you'll just keep asking for something, then God has to give it to you. And so it is a struggle to see all of this and know that there's multiple things to work through this morning. And it's fitting, I think, This morning, as we are having a child dedication in the second service, I don't know how many families are participating in it, probably five, six, seven, I'm not sure, but what that is is a commitment that they realize that God has given them their children, and they are committing to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord, knowing that they as parents have an important role on the lives of their children. And so here we are looking at a woman who demonstrates this very thing. Not only that, we are here today on the Sanctity of Life Sunday where we as Christians are reminded that it is our responsibility to defend the sanctity of life, that God creates life in the womb, that before He ever formed a baby, He knew that baby and who they would become. And so we as Christians have the ability to influence the culture and the world around us and we should not take that lightly. And so, but the most important thing to start out with is to remember what has been going on. The religious leaders did not care for Jesus. He had corrected them. They had become closed-minded that it was all about them. And what Jesus shows up and reminds them is The Jewish people were called by God, chosen by God, were God's special people, not just for their own benefit. That God dealt with them so that they could impact the rest of the world. And as Christians, we are the same way. God saves us for our eternal difference, but God didn't just save you for you. God saved you so that He could use you For his glory. And in Isaiah chapter 42, I want to show this to you from the Old Testament in verses 6 and 7. Talking to the nation of Israel. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. And will hold your hand and will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people. As a light to the Gentiles to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. The Lord was going to the nation of Israel. He was going to work in the nation of Israel so that the whole world could look at Israel and say, there's something about the God that they serve. There is something about the king that they worship. They serve the one true God. But yet Israel had messed it all up. That's why in the New Testament we have the great commission that we are to take the gospel to where? All nations. All people. In Romans, the Bible describes it like this. In Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew... First, and also, or which comes next for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, and is it written, the just shall live by faith. This morning, you and I were Gentiles. We were not of Jewish heritage. We were not a part of the Old Testament chosen people. But yet, what we see here is that God had a desire to have a relationship with us. God had a desire to not only reach the Jew first, but to reach all of us who are not Jewish. And that is a special thing because it reminds us that God is a lover of people. God cares about the souls of men and women and boys and girls. And so when we read this chapter, if you don't remember these two verses it's really going to cause a lot of problems. Because as churches, sometimes we get in that mindset. They don't look like us. They don't vote like us. They don't talk like us. They don't act like us. As a pastor, I've even been guilty of saying that in my own heart. Lord, can you send some easier people? Lord, Lord, can you send some people that already know how things are supposed to go? I can be selfish like this. Most of us aren't looking for charity cases to fix. But yet that's exactly who God wants. The lost, the broken, the hurting, the messed up. And He is able to work in their hearts. And so if you would pray with me, and we'll go through these verses this morning. Father, we thank You so very, very much for who You are. Lord, we thank You that You love us in spite of us. Lord, we're thankful that You died for us while we were ungodly. Lord, help us to never become like the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Israel, Lord, and think that it's all about us. But Lord, give us a heart and a desire for those that don't know you. Lord, help us to realize that our lives matter in how we live and how we serve and how we honor you. And Lord, we pray that you would work for your glory in all that is said and done. And we ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And so, if you're taking notes this morning, write this down if you would. A great need brought this mother to Jesus. A great need brought this mother to Jesus. And so many times in our life, it is a great need that brings us to Jesus. A death a tragedy, a heartache, a job loss. Something falls apart in our life and we come to the realization that we need something. We need someone. We need something to happen that we cannot do on our own. But that doesn't just happen when we're lost. As believers, if you're honest today, we all go through seasons where we are drawing closer to the Lord or we are just kind of going through the motions. Everything's going well at home. Everything's going well at work. Our kids are pretty much doing what they're supposed to be. Everything is kind of like it is. And so many times our faith is on cruise control. We're not reading like we know we should. We're not praying like we know we should. We're, we're not really focused like we should. Here's some examples of that. If your child has a huge test the next morning, you're usually thinking things like this. They need to get to bed early. They need to get up and they need to have a good breakfast. They need to get a shower, get awake, make sure they have everything necessary because what they're going to do today is a big deal. Now this is how most people treat Saturday night. It's Saturday night, you might as well stay up. All we have tomorrow is church. You know, we won't really worry about it. We'll just get up quick. We'll throw our clothes on. We'll rush to church. We can eat after church. But yet what we're coming to do is to worship and honor God. And so how many times I've thought that in my own life, and we actually had this argument in my home last night. We want to teach our children that what is going to go on here in the morning is not just the last bit of a good weekend, It's not just the, we'll do this so we can enjoy the rest of the day. We ought to be preparing for this. We ought to be prepping for this. We ought to be focused on this, knowing that we are coming to worship and to hear from and to experience what God would have for us. But I ask you this morning, is that how you got up? Is that how you prayed? Is that how you prepared? Did you come this morning thinking, Lord, I am at the end of my rope. I need you. Lord, I need you as a parent. I need you as a spouse. Lord, I need a physical touch. God, I need you. And if I don't have you, I don't have anything. Because that's how this woman came to Jesus in verse 24 through 26. From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know it. But he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. And she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth. And she kept asking. That means asking repeatedly to cast the demon out of her daughter. Now, most Bible scholars believe this young girl was probably between the ages of 8 and 12. And what we do know is that with demon possession, it changed a person's life. It ruined the relationships of the people that they had. It ruined the way they behaved and it caused them to do things that would be despicable in the mind of us. And so as a parent, we can only imagine what this mother would have gone through, what she would have experienced. Just think if the other instances in the New Testament of demon possession, what that would look like with a little girl. If you remember when Jesus crossed the the lake and got to the other side of the demon-possessed man who couldn't be around other people, who had harmed himself, who couldn't even be chained, who ran around naked and exposed. And now take this 8 to 12-year-old daughter, an age that is so precious, an age that is so wonderful, an age that I have two or three children in, All right. And the fact that if those things that we've seen in other places in the New Testament are true... I really believe that's what we're seeing in America today with young women and young boys. I believe we're seeing demonic influence, if not demonic possession. Think about this young girl, if she had been in her home and had just begun to cut herself and to harm herself and to bloody herself, and this poor mother sits here and watches this. Imagine this young girl who is slowly becoming a young lady decides that she's not going to wear clothes. She's going to run through town. She's going to do all of these things. Just imagine this young girl begins to physically attack other people who she's supposed to love and care for and all of the other things the New Testament says. Just imagine what this mother had went through. I think it's important because when it talks about where she's from and what she was raised as, I believe, as one Bible commentator said, she had probably tried every god that she had been exposed to. Every false idol, every pagan worship, all of the Roman ways to fix this, she had probably tried. But then she remembered she had heard about a man Because the Bible tells us when talking about Jesus' ministry that there were people who had came from Tyre and Sidon. Jesus even told them in Capernaum, if the miracles done here had been done in these two towns, oh, how they would have repented and how they would have responded And so here's this woman who is hearing all of these things that Jesus can do is at her wit's end. Her family is falling apart. Her little girl is falling apart. And she says, I need someone. And who does she come to? Jesus. This morning I beg of you, do not wait to run to Jesus when you find yourself at the bottom of it. If you're a believer and you are slowly beginning to backslide or wander in your faith from the Lord, do not make God bring you to the very bottom to yield to His Spirit and return to Him. Today, if you're a child of God and you are not where God wants you to be, remember this, God loves you too much to let you go. God will never let you out of the palm of His hand. And there is no place you can run far enough from Him. There is no bottle you can put yourself deep enough in. There is no hole that you can dig yourself that can get you from Him. He is going to continue to work. He's going to continue to move. The question is, will you return to Him? The same can be said today if you're lost and not a believer. If the Lord has been dealing with you, there is nowhere that you can run from Him. God has stretched the stars from one end to the other. God has told the ocean how how far it can go. God knows how deep it is in the lowest parts of the earth. This morning, wherever you're at, whatever brokenness you carry, whatever hopelessness you have, whatever sin is in your life, know that Jesus is the answer i love this passage of scripture because it's already talked about in Matthew the 15th chapter and this morning i want to show you how these two stories they're the very same stories but we get more details from each one in Matthew chapter 15 starting in verse 21 it says, And Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me. And I don't want you to miss this, because how she approaches Jesus matters. You'll hear people say this all the time. I've got faith. I've got faith in me. I've got faith in this. I've got faith in that. But friends, where you put your faith matters Jesus is showing us here what it looks like for someone to have real faith to have real salvation she starts by saying have mercy on me she doesn't say have mercy on my daughter she recognizes that the greatest need in her life is him Before anything changes with her daughter, before anything changes with her family, she recognizes that she needs Him. And friends, this morning you need to know whether you will admit it or not, you are a sinner. And friends, you are in need of Him. It goes on and look what it says, O Lord, Son of David, she recognizes Him as the Messiah. That He is the one who had been promised to the Jewish people to come and save them from their sins. It goes on and then says, My daughter is severely demon-possessed. You see, friends, this morning, that's how we have to approach God. One, admitting our need. Believing who He is. And then we confess the need that we have. Whether that is the need for salvation whether that is the need for healing, whether it is the need for God to bring that prodigal son or daughter home in your life. You can't start with the need before you recognize who you are and who God is. And it goes on and says in this passage of Scripture, but He answered her, not a word. Now can you imagine that? Someone stands up in church and says, I need prayer. Not now. You say, well, Jake, they would leave and never come back. Look up here. When it's real faith, when it's a real relationship with God, it doesn't matter who doesn't shake your hand on Sunday morning. It doesn't matter if you didn't get to sing your favorite song. When you have real faith with Him, the only thing that matters to you and I is Him. It doesn't matter the temperature of the sanctuary. It doesn't matter how far apart the pews are or the chairs. It doesn't matter if the sermon was a little short or a little long. Think about this. Jesus specifically makes it where if you really want this, you're going to stay. If you really want me to work and to move, you are going to persevere to the end. The Bible tells us those who persevere to the end will be saved Jesus wasn't about growing the church Jesus was about revealing to each and every person their heart really why they were there, what they wanted who they were seeking after and his disciples came and urged him saying send her away for she cries out to us, so as a parent you probably have experienced this hey can I do something, no, hey can I do something no, I'm not going to tell you no more Mom, Mom, Dad said I couldn't do something. Can I do it? Can I do it? Can I do it? This woman is going from disciple to disciple. Jesus won't hear me. Will you hear me? You won't listen to me. Will you hear me? Okay, Peter won't listen to me. John won't listen to me. Hey, Matthew, will you listen to me? Just down the list. And this woman is so much of a bother that they come to Jesus and say, tell the crazy woman to leave. There's no compassion from them. But Jesus is teaching them something. I'm getting ready to go back to heaven. And all of these burdens, all of these problems, all of these requests, they're going to be going through you. You're the ones going into the highways and the byways, into the new places, into the hard places with the good news of Jesus. And you have to have compassion. Look at verse 24, because not only does he not answer, not only does the disciples not answer her, look what it says in verse 25 of that chapter. Verse 24. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. He says, I come to Israel. You're not an Israelite. I come to the chosen people of God in the Old Testament. I didn't come for you. But look what she says. Lord, help me. He didn't answer. The disciples didn't answer. Holy moly. Double chin must have got in the microphone. He even tells her, I didn't come for you. You see, I can't believe that Jesus would say that. But look at her response. Lord, help me. That's why I'm going to show you what the second thing is. Only got two points this morning. Not only is there a great need that brought this mother to Jesus, compassion and mercy are available through Jesus. You say, wait, he just said no. How can you tell us that? Well, let's go on and read verses 27 through 30. Because it doesn't just get better it gets worse before it gets better but Jesus said to her let the children be filled first for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs Jesus says the children are the children of Israel and you're a dog dogs eat scraps from the table and that's it they don't eat when the people eat they eat the stuff that's dropped by the kids and if you have kids and animals in the house, you know it's a happy time when meal times because nothing hardly goes in the mouth. It all goes on the floor. So he's giving this mindset that you don't even belong at the table. You just deserve the scraps. You say, well, now this can't be the same Jesus that I've read about. This can't be the same Jesus that I've talked about, that I've heard about in Sunday school. But Look at her answer in verse 28. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord. I don't want you to miss that response. She could have said, Well, fine. I'll take my sickness and my problem and my child and go somewhere else. She could have said, Well, who do you think you are? Pride. Arrogance. Jesus said something mean to me. But don't miss what she said. She said, Yes, Lord. She said, Yes, George, you're right. I'm a sinner. She says, yes, Lord, I'm not even a part of the promised children. Yes, Lord, I know my background and my family's background. Lord, I know where I come from. Yet, even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumb. Then he said to their, for this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Jesus was telling the truth, but he wasn't saying that just because that's the truth, just that's because it's the way it is, that's the way that it has to be or that it's going to be. He was trying to teach them that, yes, he came for the Jewish people. And the Bible tells us, and they rejected him. And because of that rejection, the Bible says it had to happen so that the good news of Jesus could go to us. Those who are far from God. Those who aren't a part of the family of God. Jesus wasn't saying this to be cruel. He wasn't saying this to be mean. But He was teaching us something. If you and I cannot humble ourselves, we cannot be saved. If you and I are not willing to recognize who we are as sinful, wicked people, salvation is not possible. That is why the Bible says... Humble yourself before the Lord. That is why the Bible says that pride cometh before the fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. The reason that people reject Jesus is because they will not humble themselves and say, yes, Lord, my heart is deceptionally wicked. It is deceitfully wicked. Yes, Lord, I am a sinner in desperate need of the forgiveness and grace and mercy of God, That's not how we come to Him. We want to come to Him saying, Lord, I'm not as bad as someone else. Or Lord, I, I do a lot for You. No, you have to come to Jesus knowing there's nothing you can offer Him. There's nothing you can buy His love with. There, there's nothing you add to the table other than coming and saying, Lord, here I am. Sinful and broken, but loved by You. He is teaching us here that yes, it did come to them first, but it's coming to us now. It's coming to us now. Matthew, the 15th chapter, describes it like this in this same story. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Do you remember what I said earlier? It was written to remind all of us, no matter where we come from, no matter what our background is, that the mercy and love and grace of Jesus Christ has now been offered freely. One of the most dangerous beliefs that you can hold to is the fact that it's just for you. It's just for us. But what we see here is Jesus is saying, oh no, no, it is for those people who don't deserve it. It is for those people that you don't think can earn it. It is for those people that you don't think should have it. Yes, yes, yes. As a parent, we see from this young lady that her faith in the belief of who Jesus Christ was and what He was able to do made her child well. Do you ever wonder what would have happened if she'd have said, fine, I'll just go somewhere else. Just imagine what would have happened if she'd have said, well, not only does Jesus not want me, these other religious people don't want me. Or what if even after Jesus does respond to her and says, you don't deserve it. Who do you think you are? Friends, this morning I want to remind you to love the most broken of people, but also do not neglect the responsibility that God has given you with the influence that He has given you in the lives of the people that He has given you. If you were here Sunday night, you have heard a little bit of this, and so please bear with me. This has been evident to me as we have been going through Sunday night and the life of King David. As most of you know, King David had a son named Solomon. Solomon had a son who then the kingdom was ripped apart. Most of us know that Solomon was the wisest man to ever live outside of Jesus. We know that he had a vision and a dream from God and he asked for wisdom and God gave it and he was blessed and he was wealthy and he had peace and prosperity. But everything about Solomon's life that was a blessing, do you know why the Bible says Solomon received it? Because of his father. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 11, starting in verse 11. Then the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this, this is talking about marrying all these different women and having all these concubines and, and following after false gods. He said, Because you have abandoned what I asked you to do, Because you have done this and not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you. He says, the kingdom I gave your father, the kingdom I gave you, all 12 tribes, I'm tearing it apart. And I'm going to give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days. Now just stop right there you would say, well, Solomon had pleased God early in his life, and so God's going to bless him later in his life. That's not what it says. Well, because Solomon asked for such a good request, God said, I'll be merciful. That's not what it says. What does it say? For the sake of your father, David. He says, because David loved me, and I loved David, because David served me, and David honored me, because of the relationship I had with David, your father, even though you have failed me, I am going to bless you temporarily because of what he did. Parents, we see the very same playing out in this story. This young girl was blessed because why? God had a purpose for her life. And her mother had faith that was great. You say, well, Jake, what does that mean for the positive and what does that mean for the negative? Well, that's great, you should ask. Because it goes on in this very same passage of Scripture and says, I will tear it out of the hand of your son. And so now we're seeing that his son is suffering the consequences of what? His sinful dad. But don't miss it. However... I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son. You say, oh, that's not bad. Solomon really must have pleased God. And so he says, you're going to lose almost all of the kingdom, but not all of it. Or maybe the son's not as bad as we think he is, so God says, I'm going to give you one tribe instead of all 12. What does it say? For the sake of my servant, David. So because of your dad, because of his grandpa, we're not talking about eternal salvation. That is the decision that each person must make. What we're talking about is an earthly blessing or an earthly punishment. He says, because of your grandfather, because of his father, I will what? I will still bless them. Friends, today I want you to know something. We live in a day where no one wants to take accountability for anything. It's not my fault. It doesn't matter. Look up here. It matters. Your relationship with the Lord matters. It matters for you. It matters for your children. It matters for your grandchildren. Quit teaching your kids their whole childhood that church is an option and then watching them become adults and say, I want nothing to do with it and then sitting in the preacher's office going, I don't know what happened. Because this preacher is dumb enough to tell you, look in the mirror. Well, I just don't know. I don't know why my wife doesn't like me. Well, it's because you chose your job and your hobbies and everything else before her for decades. And now you sit here, and she wants nothing today with you. But it can go the other way. Friends, today you can teach your children what it means to love God and to serve God and to honor God and to follow God. And even though they might stray for a season, there could be blessings that God will give them because of the faith and the relationship that He has with you. You say, Jake, that's nowhere in the Bible. I'm glad that you think that way because I want to show you that you are wrong. The Bible tells us that many unbelieving husbands will be one to Christ by the influence of who? A godly spouse. Doesn't say all of them. It's not a promise that if you'll be godly, everybody in your house gets saved. Doesn't work that way. But Jesus says it can. Paul says it can. Solomon writes to us that it can. And so today I want you to know that God is able, God is willing, God is in control. But today I ask you, are you willing to humble yourself and choose life? Or today are you willing to stay prideful and to bring the consequences of sin into your life? Psalms 31 says it like this, talking about our responsibility, not just as parents, not just as grandparents, but as the influence that God has given us as Christians. Open your mouth for the speechless and the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge rightly, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. I thought that was very fitting on the sanctity of life, on the morning that we're having a child dedication. All of these things the Lord says... Choose who you will be. You say, well, Jake, you knew that this Sunday was coming. And you knew this was the sermon that you wanted to preach. Really? Eight months ago when we started the book of Mark? Eight months ago when weather and disaster and all of the things that this world have to offer us? Sickness? Vacation? That it's just an accident or a pastoral church that we're here? Choice that we're here. No. It's because God has a word for His people if we'll listen. And so this morning I ask you today, will you humble yourself if you're here today and you're not a Christian? As the Spirit of God deals with you, will you give Him your heart and life? If you're here today and you're a child of God, will you honestly believe that the life that God has called you into has consequences or blessings? What will you do with Him? question is to you and to me. This morning, are you willing to keep petitioning the Lord even when you don't hear the answer that you'd like at first? You say, Jake, I've been praying for my marriage. I've been praying for this broken relationship. I've been praying for my prodigal children for years and nothing happens. You know what you keep doing? You keep asking. You keep knocking because you have no idea how God might work. In the future, Father, I thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I know I haven't done it justice, but Lord, I have shared what is here. And I pray, Lord, that you would honor the faithful teaching of your word this morning as you deal with the hearts of people. Lord, thank you for being merciful even when we don't deserve it. And Lord, thank you for being good to us even when we don't deserve it. And Lord, today we pray for each and every family represented here today, Lord. No matter where we come from, the mistakes of our past, the backgrounds that we come from, that You remind us that we have value in You. Lord, help us to realize the responsibility we have as parents, grandparents, believers, Lord, and the influence that we have in the lives of the people You've given us. Lord, help us to use that for blessings not burdens. Lord, help us use that to influence and to be the examples that you'd have us to be. But yet, Lord, knowing that each person is responsible for the decision they make, Lord, help us to be light and salt in a dark world. Father, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for always having us where you want us to be, even if it's not where I want to be. And Lord, I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.